Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Rose Metal Podcast hosted by Emily Watson. In this podcast, we talk about the transition out of sports and any struggles athletes may have faced during sports or afterwards. Rose Metal's mission is to provide resources and support for current and former athletes. Okay, I have Audrey Luckner here. Um, Audrey Luckner ran track and cross country at Oregon State. She recently graduated in June of this year, which is 2022, with her degrees in public health, and biohealth sciences. She is from Colorado, where she ran for a great program in high school. At home, she has a German short-haired pointer puppy named Charlie. In her free time, she enjoys hiking, being outside, traveling, and she's found a newfound passion for lifting. In this podcast, we will be talking about placing your worth on your sport, performance anxiety as a team captain, struggles with body image, and finding a passion post-sports and work. I'm really excited to have you on, so thank you for being here, Audrey. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so we'll just get right into it. So the first question is, how did the way you grew up affect how you placed your worth on your sport? Um, I grew up just always in sports. I played soccer until I was in high school. Um, both my parents are runners. My mom's done two Ironmans. They've both done a bunch of uh, marathons. So it was kind of always something we did together. Um, there was never a pressure to perform. My sister did soccer as well. So we kind of all just did it for fun. But I got into running in high school and kind of just took off with it. I didn't know I was going to be that good at it. I honestly joined cross country to stay in shape for soccer so um it was mostly just for fun and to stay in shape and my parents wanted us to get energy out instead of getting energy out at home so they just kind of stuck us in sports as young as they could that's interesting it was it started out as training for soccer and then you ended up really choosing track and cross country so in what ways did you did you place your worth on your sport and like, did, do you feel like your, your parents being such big runners, did that affect that? I don't think it ever affected it. I, my freshman year of high school, I made it to Nike cross nationals with my team. And it was kind of just that big realization of, Oh, this is a big deal. And I've never had this kind of success with soccer. So I kind of pivoted, after my freshman year of high school to solely focus on running. Um, My parents both just did it for fun. So they never placed that huge pressure to perform. To this day, to my graduation, my mom would always ask me what distances I ran, bless her soul. Um, (laughs) It was never, um, they never pressured me. They were always there in a supportive role. So that was never um, an issue for us. I think it was a lot of self-placed pressure, Um, just seeing how my friends were performing, how I was performing, and it's just that comparison game that I think everyone plays, but um, it was also, I think a lot of the pressure especially came from high school, just because my best friend to this day is also a runner. She ran at CU and she ran at Syracuse. And it was that, it was a healthy competition, but it was also, you always compared each other to what we were doing because we were always neck and neck. There was never a performance where she was a lot above me in high school or vice versa. So that 
that's kind of where it stemmed from for me. And then it kind of took off um, in college in kind of different directions. Right. So you found something that you're really good at and it's something that your parents have done, but not at like the competitive level like you right. have reached. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like placing your, your worth on something is a powerful thing and it can add pressure, but I, I don't think it's like a terrible thing to like have pride in what you are really good at. Yeah. But once you end up placing your entire worth on one thing, that's when it starts to get dangerous. So, so I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we all take pride in what we do, and that's great. I think it's how people succeed and they push themselves. But I think in the latter of what you said, placing all of your worth and only focusing on one thing is incredibly detrimental. And I think that's not incredibly detrimental, but it can, it secludes you from a lot of other things, a lot of other passions. And I think that with college athletics, they kind of force you into that in a way um, right. you're, I mean, especially with cross country and track, I was competing year round. I was training year round. So there wasn't a lot of time to explore other passions, no matter how much the athletic department says you need to diversify yourself. You need to be a complete person when you don't have enough hours in the day to do that. There's not a lot that you can do, you know? Right. Did you ever feel like you were as good at soccer or like, did you ever feel like identified with soccer as you did with, with running? I don't think so. I think with running, I started at such a high level and then just kind of continued to progress that I never really saw that with soccer. I was always doing soccer for fun. And then at some point I transitioned to doing running for a purpose. I mean, I was doing it for school. I was getting school paid for. I was doing it to be X, Y, or Z in the country. You know, it, it took a different step. Right. But soccer. It was, I mean, everyone puts their kid in soccer. They all, you all, we all play peewee. We all do all that stuff. So there was never that level of identification with soccer. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, you would have ended up in running anyway if you enjoyed soccer because you kind of have to run to train. Like, that's what soccer is, is a lot of running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, next question. In what ways have you struggled with finding passion post-sports and work? And I know you're you're still new on this. This is only (laughs) a few months out. But what are your thoughts so far on this? It's hard. It's a, it's a large transition. Um, I think I kind of did myself a little bit of a disservice when I graduated because I did jump immediately into something. I didn't really give myself any time to process what had just happened. I kind of went directly from my last race to graduation to working a full-time job. And I think in some ways it's helped bridge the gap a little bit just because I don't, I don't dwell on it as much. And I think with how burnt out I was at the end of my track season, that also helped. Um, My last track season didn't go as well as I wanted to, but I was just so tired. My body was kind of so done that it helped transition into like the real world, but there definitely isn't that, that drive to succeed as much as I had with sports. I mean, you're doing it with your best friends, you're traveling all over the country, you're, there's, there's a tangible goal that you're searching for. 
And I haven't really been able to find that in work as much, especially because I mean, most work now is in front of a computer, which is not what I was used to when you're competing, you're moving your body, you're doing all those, getting those endorphins flowing. And that's just not kind of what I'm doing with work at the moment. Yeah. And you've already taken a step up to give yourself more things to do. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I feel like as an athlete, you need to have something that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My first job was definitely not challenging and it just kind of, it was not checking any of the boxes for me. So I, I did find a new position with medical sales and I'm hoping that being, having that competition with getting different accounts will kind of ignite that spark that I had with sports. Cause I mean, that's what we're all, that's why we all competed is that, that drive to succeed and compete against the next best person. Right. And when we're in the middle of our sport, we have this state of flow, right? So that means like any type of focus on something that you have like right in front of you where like there's no distractions, everything is set for you and you're just doing your thing. And like, I feel like we put so many years and investment into our sport that whenever it's done, just for it to be done one day and there's no comparison. Like you could probably go run in like a marathon or half marathon or 5k or whatever race, but it's not the same, right? It's like, it's, it's high level competition in college and um, just finding that flow with something else, like just giving yourself time to find whatever that is. So I'd be like really interested and excited to talk to you like a year or maybe even like two, five years from now to see how much you've grown in like finding that passion. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm hoping that it comes back in some form of running, but if it comes back in a form of work or a hobby, I I would be just as happy with that. Right. And um, you've told me before, like you've mentioned working out after and it's like something that like you burn out with and you take a moment like, okay, it's not really fun right now, but I can see myself doing this again in the future, which I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, I was like, oh, I'm never working out again. <laughs> and I, and I actually didn't work out for like a year. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. No, that's for, I definitely felt that. I mean, there's, I always explain to people that there's two paths that kind of runners take when they retire is you take the, the marathon route where you keep training or you take the route that I'm on where you haven't really run farther than a couple miles in months. And mm-hmm. I hope that at some point I do come back and I'm able to maybe do a marathon at some point or find the passion to run again. But there, my mind is so programmed into one direction and one direction only, and that's go as hard as you can for as long as you can. And that's just, my body is not in that shape anymore. I don't need to do that anymore. So I'm trying to find that kind of, um, that balance again. And when I do, and I hope that I hope it comes back. Yeah. Or you could do something else like your teammate, Lexi Reed. She, yeah. she went, took a complete turn and went to lifting, which is totally not running. Yeah, exactly. And she's she's been very helpful. She helped me kind of in the early months write a couple programs for me for lifting. And that was really nice just to have a little bit of structure, but not as much structure as I was used to. Right. Yeah. And you guys live in different areas now, so it's different. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. How did being a team captain affect your performance performance anxiety while you were at Oregon State? Um, 
Being a team captain was very fun, but it also had its drawbacks. I think that there was an unspoken pressure that I had to achieve. Um, a lot of people came to me with how they were feeling. They were saying, oh, I'm so nervous for this. Like, what if we don't do well? And um, I mean, I had the same fears and I wasn't really able to express those in the same way because everyone thought of me as this quote unquote strong person. But I think that almost contributed more to my negative mindset in a way of I'm going to fail. This is going to suck. I don't know if I can do this. And I have one memory in particular after a really poor race where I just did not feel well physically or mentally. And my coach looked at me, he said, yeah, I need you to pull it together for the team. And I know he meant it out of you are the team captain. You mean a lot to this team. But in that moment, I needed him to look at me and say, it's okay to have failed. It's okay to have bad days and not have to hold it together for everyone else. So it was, I think in that moment, it was hard because I wasn't really able to feel all the feelings that I wanted to. I had to kind of suck it back up and hold it together for the girls that were two or three, excuse me, two or three years younger than I was. So that was, that was hard. Was that, that was after a race? Yeah, we had, we hadn't performed to the best of our abilities and um, we were all kind of down in the dumps. And I, I was, I think I was this fifth year. I think this was this last year. So I was, I was the oldest and was expected to kind of hold it together in a different manner than everyone else. I, that's interesting. You mentioned it's after the race that your coach said that, because I feel like what's more important is before the race. Yeah. And that's, it's definitely important before the race. And for some reason I have a really weird way of um, (laughs) categorizing my head in the beginning of a race. So I've never really been the person who's on the starting line, like freaking out. Um, Internally I might be, but I've always been kind of a happy, let's do this. We've got this kind of person. Um, And I, I think that's great. And, but I mean, after is definitely different. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I I can see like a coach wanting a better reaction after a game. I don't know. Everyone has different reactions. I feel like no matter what your, this is just my opinion, no matter what your reaction is, like as long as you pull it together, like after a little bit, like mm-hmm. you'll, you're fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, setting that example for your teammates is like harder than you would think. Like I've experienced that too, where teammates come up and they're like, are you nervous? And no matter how you're feeling, you have to say, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. This is just another Tuesday. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're just playing the number one team in the country. That's fine. Yeah. There's no problem (laughs) with that. Yeah. And I don't know. What do you say? What do you tell your teammates when they're like, are you nervous? Like, what would you say? I would always say yes. I mean, there's, there's not a person who runs at any level that would ever say no. I mean, what we're about to do is hard in any, in any sport, what you're about to do is hard. So I would always say yes, but we also all have the same training. We have a coach that believes in us and we would not be standing here 
ready to do what we're about to do if he didn't think or anyone didn't think that we could do it. So I was always trying to not only manifest what I wanted, but also tell them that we're going to be okay. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're, um, you've had like a moment of performance anxiety that really affected the whole team? Hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think it affected the whole team. No, I think with, with cross country and with track, it's so individual, but also team oriented that it's, that it's hard to affect someone else. Like everyone has their own pre-race rituals. Everyone has the own, their own way of getting in the mental state that they need to be to succeed. That if someone else is feeling low, you kind of have to turn them out at that moment so that you can individually succeed and then in part help the team succeed, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so really it's it you just putting on like a team captain hat is really just trying to help everyone bring it together and being real with like, it's good to have a little bit of nerves, um, but if it gets to be like, too overwhelming of performing things anxiety that's like okay we need to take a step back figure out yeah what there what needs to fix this yeah and my my coach and my assistant coaches were always very good at recognizing who was more prone to having those kind of overreactions not overreactions but just being more nervous and kind of affecting other people and if they saw that they were always really good at pulling them aside and making sure that those people are okay and that they have their head on straight and then once he would address that he would come back to us and just be very bubbly and very excited for us and that would kind of if anything happened it would it would turn the turn it towards a more positive light yeah that's good sounds like you guys had a good like process of like recognizing when it's happening and trying to find ways to overcome it yeah we did it was it was a good team I was very lucky with my teammates and um, my coaches so I think we all we were all very driven people and we all wanted the same goal and we all celebrated each other's successes and we were all there for each other's failures and it it was a it was a great team atmosphere in my opinion that is absolutely the what what more can you ask for exactly moving on to the next question what was your experience with struggling with body image and what advice do you have for someone that may be going through that right now yeah um with an aesthetic based sport like running um it's hard not to compare yourself to what the person next to you looks like and I think that's this that's true for real world scenarios today even um outside of sport but I just I hit puberty very late um and I went into college with kind of a body I was not used to and I got injured the end of my freshman year and then kind of got into a pretty toxic cycle of watching what I ate and then over exercising and it kind of it it tanked my body image and just kind of what I thought a ideal runner should look like and 
it was, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. It was, I mean, I'm still struggling with a lot of the repercussions today and trying to kind of pull myself out of that place. But in regards to what I would give advice wise to someone struggling with that now is that everybody is different. No matter what social media says, no matter what your coach says, if they're saying anything, everybody is different and everybody deserves fuel. No matter if you didn't exercise, no matter if it's, you're having a bad day, it's a cycle that you don't want to start. And it's okay to have those days, but don't let that be a defining factor of your day because it does pass no matter how much you feel like you're drowning in those thoughts. And I think I wish someone kind of would have said something to me. And I think one of my friends did eventually say something to me. And I think I still think about what she said to me. It kind of snapped me out of, out of what was going on, but your friends care about you is also what I would tell them. And, if you are struggling, reach out for help because it's always easier to get help in the beginning than it is years, months, whatever, down the line. Or if it's too late. Right. Or if it's too late. Yeah. It's just know that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it is for running, but in softball, it can be easy to compare yourself to your teammates or people that are players on other teams that are playing in the same position as you. Um, so I can definitely relate with that, like seeing pitchers that were way smaller than me and throwing like just as hard as me. And I'm like, I don't know, it's, it's really hard. And, um, like the comparison aspect, Yeah. but just realizing like you are doing what you works best for you. Right. Um, and do you think, do you feel like being in Oregon with like the lack of sun, maybe that affected it? Um, to some extent, it probably did. Uh, our um, trainers had us all on like vitamin D and all that stuff. And I think, I think everything kind of comes in waves, no matter if you're living like in Colorado, or if you're living in Oregon, the seasonal, the changes in your mood with the seasons will happen kind of anywhere. Um, unless there are no seasons like Florida. Um, but uh, I think it it did affect a little bit of it, but I mean, we were traveling so much to sunny places that I never personally thought that I got like seasonal depression or anything, but it was, I mean, I think it affects, I mean, when it's, yeah, when it's raining for seven days straight, that was definitely not fun. (laughs) Yeah. When do you feel like was like a point where you recognize that you were struggling with body image and maybe you kind of stepped out of it or do you think maybe you're still struggling with it? What, what are your experiences like later on and up to now? Um, I think that I still struggle with it a little bit. I think to the degree that I struggle with disordered eating or body image right now is significantly less than it was a few years ago. Um, I kind of realized after my senior year, so I guess that was a year and a half ago, that I don't want to be 40 years old and be worried about what's on my plate because it takes away from all the experiences you have. It limits your 
the capacity to think because all you're focused on is what you look like to someone else and what you are putting into your body. And it's draining. It's emotionally and physically draining. So I kind of, I reached out to my trainer and I said, I think I need help. And she was, um, she's still one of my favorite people. She was very open and understanding and was made sure that she put that on the top of her priority list for my fifth year. Cause I, I'd already seen success with running and I realized that I had one year left and I didn't want to sacrifice my health, my mental health to succeed for one more year. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was, that's kind of when I realized that I needed to change something. And I had a very, very supportive friend who checked in on me, made sure that I was doing what I needed to do. And if she saw something that was up, she would make sure she said something. And I don't think a lot of friendships are like that. And I don't think that every friendship should be like that because it, it comes, it's a sensitive topic. And if you don't yeah. say it correctly or if it comes off wrong, then it's, it's not great. Yeah. From my experience, anytime I was worried about my body, I would just like eat less mm-hmm. and I'm 5'11", but not, not all women are 5'11". Um, and in my mind, I had to eat like less than 2000 calories a day to like look better but when you're burning like 5,000 calories a day as a college athlete it doesn't work out very well um yeah so I was like not I would like not throw very well and I'd be like why like I thought I'm doing good and it's just like realizing what works for you everyone's different like if you are 5'11 follow people on Instagram that are 5'11 don't follow Mm -hmm. the people that are five foot three I don't know. It's just learning like what works for you and not what other people, the whole comparison thing again. Yeah. Um, and just like finding that person that'll help. Like I've talked to multiple nutritionists, which that is a huge resource as an athlete that is very, very helpful. Um, changed my life talking to these nutritionists and I've learned a lot from all of them. Um, but what would you say is like the change post sports? with that I mean the change post sports mostly for me was my body is no longer the thing that is making me succeed um instead of pushing it to these ridiculous limits to get across the finish line the fastest I'm now having to slow down and realize that this is the body that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life and if I don't make peace with that and I don't become friendly with my own body, then it's going to be turmoil for the rest of my life, which is not, not something anyone should live with. And I think it's, it's been a hard switch because for so long we're told that what we put in our bodies is how we're going to perform and what we have to treat our bodies extremely carefully. And I, I don't think that that goes completely away. Um, obviously you should still take care of your bodies, but, there's there's a different expectation when you're doing athletics and I think that's been a kind of a hard switch for me is is that kind of aspect of it but it's also been kind of relaxing because I no longer have to show up to the starting line wearing pretty much 
a bikini and like being put on this jumbotron and picking apart everything about myself. And I think that's been really freeing for me, honestly. Honestly, I can't even imagine being a runner, like how hard it would be with like your relationship with food and like, and because you are wearing like almost nothing and like being a runner, like you almost have to be thinner than everyone. Like, how did you handle that with, with like, did you ever like go out to eat with athletes from other teams or like, how was that? It was difficult um, to say the least. I think everyone kind of struggles with their own things a little differently, but having um, friends that are kind of outside athletics helped a lot. Um, And I saw something on social media once that I, that will forever stay with me. It was some professional runner. She posted and said, I was on, we'll say, I think it was like the Olympics or something like world worlds or whatever. She was on the starting line looking at herself on the jumbotron and realized like the first thought that came into her head was I'm the biggest on the starting line. But she was also slated to get first, second or third in the 10K at Worlds or the Olympics or whatever it was. And that's the first thing that came to her mind. And she said, she said to herself, that's ridiculous. Something needs to change. Yeah. Like, why was that said in her mind in such a negative way? Exactly. And I think it's, it's a, it's a mindset that most runners have is that thinner will make you faster, which is so, so far wrong that it's like not even funny. And I wish someone would have said that when I was really struggling, that thinner does not mean faster because for some people they are naturally born thin and they don't hold fat the same way or they're built differently and they that works for them, but it will not work for the person next to them. And right. it goes back to what you were saying earlier is that everything, everything and everybody is different. And you have to find what works for you because if you don't, it's you're gonna be tired and you're gonna be sluggish and it's just it's not going to work. And it's exactly I'm very, very lucky that my coach did not push the thinner is better mantra and that I was supported by my coaching staff but that's not true for a lot of runners and I hope that at some point that discussion can be brought up coach to coach yeah yeah and I I think that's exactly what I was talking about with like you could be accidentally limiting yourself Mm -hmm. um, by like eating less or trying to be thinner like in your mind, you're like, oh, thinner is faster. But really, like, maybe thinner is you don't have enough muscle. Right. It could be, you could be accidentally limiting yourself um, by doing that. And that's just something that to get through your mind, like, your performance is going to be more important than what you look like. Right. And like you said in the beginning of this, running is very aesthetic. So I can imagine that can be really hard to get over. But um definitely something that needs to be addressed more especially freshmen coming in like you said like you came in with a new body and it was very strange and you're like oh what do I do well find find that nutritionist nutritionists know a lot find a good one yeah find (laughs) a person you trust and find don't go on social media (laughs) don't listen yeah 
<laughs> don't listen to the one that tells you to eat less than 2,000 calories a day. <laughs> Correct. If anyone says 1,800 to you, you need to run because that is an arbitrary number. <laughs> yeah, find a different one. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, moving on to the next question. What was your, one of your favorite moments while competing? Uh, I still think about this day and get chills. Um, my favorite moment was when our team made it to nationals for the first time in school history. We, it was my coach's second year there, which also it was my second year there. And we were complete underdogs. We had somehow gone to Wisconsin and outperformed a bunch of good teams. And we got some points that ended up pushing us into nationals at the regional meet. And it was my head coach and my assistant coach came running up to me and Lexi and they said, we made it. And she looked at them and said, if you're kidding, I'm going to like, I can only cry once. So you need to be serious right now. And they said, no, we made it. Like we're going to nationals. And I just remember both of us bursting into tears and hugging and crying. And it was, it kind of, it was that success moment that we were all so tired and so exhausted, but we did it together. And now we get to go experience like this huge national meet that none of us had ever experienced before. And we got to do it as a team. So it was, it was really cool. That is so cool. Like having a moment where like, wow, everything that we've put into this over the the whole course of our lives really is come down to this moment mm-hmm. where you get to do it with your favorite people. Like what, what a great time. And that's totally worth it. Yeah. It made all of those long days and hard workouts. So worth it. And to do it with someone I still call one of my best friends was incredibly special. Exactly. Like playing sports in college gives you best friends for life. And that's, that's super special. What was the transition out of playing competitive sports like for you? And what did you do in your newfound free time? So I know we've talked about this a little bit and it's still new, but what is the overall experience for you so far? The overall experience has been okay. I really did. I thought it was going to be a lot harder, not saying that it wasn't hard, but I was kind of expecting this huge mountain to climb and I kind of transitioned out. And like I said, went straight into working full time. So I kind of had a new distraction almost, but I think my team um, ended up doing really well this year and they made it back to nationals. Um, which we didn't end up making it to nationals last year, which was super disappointing for all of us. So that was really exciting to see them do that. But it was also really hard to sit at home and realize like, I won't do that again. So it's kind of those moments that have been um, difficult, just kind of realizing that there are people that are still doing this. There are people that I ran with that are still doing it that, and then I'm just kind of, back to being a normal person which is a very odd sensation I would say um is there anyone from college that like you've kept in touch with that surprised you or like what what has it been like with keeping in touch with people from from school and what has it been like making new friends oh that is a tough question um (laughs) I my friends have kind of all distributed around the country which is hard because then you have to get on a flight instead of walking across the hall to see your friend yeah Um, but 
I mean, I've kept in contact with all of my really close friends on the team, and I have a couple girls that are still running right now who are younger than I was that text me every once in a while and just kind of update me, which I don't know if they know this, but it means a lot to me that they are just like, hey, this is what's going on. We miss you. Like Those texts mean the most to me. Yeah. Um, but making friends post-college, if you figure it out, you let me know because <laughs> I I am struggling with it. But I'm, I'm currently living with my parents, which is hard. It kind of limits the the scene of making new friends. I also work from home at the moment, so that makes it hard as well to kind of make friends. But my previous job, I made a couple friends there, and they're great, and I hope that we stay in contact with each other. Um, and then I'm actually moving out to Denver soon, so I'm hoping that that will kind of push me out of my comfort zone and maybe I'll go to some social events that I can make new friends at. Yeah. There's nothing like going through that common struggle of like those daily workouts with your teammates. And, mm-hmm. and it really does mean a lot to like hear from old teammates, like really ever, even if it's like updating them about a game, like, or, or a meet or whatever. And like, that was our passion. We want to hear about that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's keeping up with people from school because especially like um the schools that we've been to like the school that I went to there was a lot of international people Mm -hmm. so a lot of my best friends are scattered around the world um which is really hard I haven't seen a lot of them in a long time but we still keep in touch um but just like realizing like really embracing the times that you have in school is so important like you if you're on the semester system, you only get 16 weekends a semester. Jeez. So if you think about that, like you can't just keep telling that person, oh yeah, we'll get, we'll get together sometime, you know, like really actually embrace the time that you have with people. If you, um, if you're on the quarter system, like Oregon state or Oregon, it's 10 weekends per term. Right. So either way it ends up being like 30, 32 weekends and per year. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I wish I would have like appreciated the time I had with them a little bit more. Not that I didn't, but just like those little things where you live with your best friends, you guys can go downstairs and cook dinner together. Or if you have a question for someone, you don't have to pick up the phone to call them. You can just literally walk into their bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's just those little things I, I miss the most. Yeah. And something for me that I've noticed is I've kept in touch with the people that like, I really feel like I'm going to be best friends with for life. And there's been a couple that have been kind of surprising that I actually have kept in touch with. And it's like, um, there's a girl on the golf team that we didn't really talk very much during college, but now we're like best friends, which is really cool. Like to get that kind of relationship and friendships from, from college athletics for sure yeah I mean it it definitely bonds people like you said there's a there's a struggle that bonds everyone which I think is very very cool to see exactly yeah and I haven't really found like any type of close friend like that since which I mean kind of sad to admit out loud I, I could try to like get a roommate or something but 
I don't know. It's different than college athletics. Oh, yeah. Very different. Yeah. Uh, What has been the hardest part of transitioning out of sports for you? And what advice can you give to to athletes on what you've learned from that so far? I think the hardest part for me was the motivation. Like, just, and not having the schedule. You have a schedule that is designed for you to be fit and to be at practice with people and then to go into the real world where someone doesn't give you three hours off in the middle of the day to go work out is (laughs) was an adjustment um but I think finding times and finding activities that work best for you is my advice because not everyone's going to get into lifting not everyone's going to get into running Not everyone's going to get on a team sport when they graduate. Um, And it can be little exercises, like going for a walk. Like that's still moving your body. And it doesn't have to be these vigorous one and a half hour to two hour things that we have known for so long. And I think that was what was kind of the biggest struggle for me is learning how to listen to my body and not push myself to that max degree like we were taught for so long. Um, Yeah. And just kind of having fun with it and not making it about winning. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like so many different ways to play with that. Like I thought that I could get into running. Turns out I don't like that. Like that's okay. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's okay. Like just trying and um, there's a couple of people that I've interviewed that have gotten into Spartan racing, which I never really heard about until I huh. started interviewing people. Um, or F45 is a big one. Um, anything that has to do with like being active, even just walking, like just, yeah. it's okay to try things. Like you don't have to jump right into something and be fully committed. Like like yeah let's go like no you you can give yourself like time like a year two years five years to figure it out like it, you don't have to have everything completely figured out yeah there is no there is no timeline yeah exactly do you have anything else to add no i think that was i really enjoyed talking with you so thank you for having with having me that was really fun yeah this has been really good thank you so much for opening up about everything and and sharing your story and i think this will be really impactful for people especially if they're silently agreeing with some things that you have been vulnerable to share mm-hmm. um and i i hope this helps maybe even just one person yeah that's all i ask and Obviously, everyone knows my name from this, so I'm my door is open if anyone ever wants to talk about anything else. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Rose Metal Foundation and Twitter at Rose Metal Org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave a review. It really helps us by spreading the word. Sign up for our newsletter to get weekly updates from us. Another way you can support us is by making a donation at www.rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash donate. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are eligible to be tax deductible. So far, we have shared the stories of over 40 current and former athletes, and we have a mentorship program called Championship Mentoring.